0: Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. There was um, a little confusion on my end uh, about what the readings were for today. Uh, I worked for several days on... This lovely epistle that's assigned for the 18th Sunday of Pentecost, which is that passage from Philippians, it's like, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love. But apparently we're celebrating St. Michael's and all angels and instead the epistle is war broke out in heaven. (laughs) Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the great dragon was thrown down that ancient serpent who is called devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Which is basically like buying a ticket for Barbie and getting stuck with Oppenheimer. Not to mention the book of Revelation is tricky, to say the least, and it being the last book of the New Testament always feels to me like, like someone's put a spiritual monster truck rally at the end of an opera. Uh, and also, not to put too fine a point on it, but it is hard to stand up for a part of the Bible that's just so heavily favored by cult leaders and serial killers. Uh, but here we go. Even so, I promise you, I promise you that there are many, many things to love about Revelation. Like for instance, uh, that amazing list of Satan's titles and job descriptions that we heard in our reading for today, starting with the dragon, and then the great dragon, and then uh, this ancient serpent, the accuser, Satan, the devil, the great deceiver of the world. But one of those Uh, kept jumping out at me. You'd think it would be the dragon since I seldom get to preach on dragons, but it wasn't. It was, the title that got me was this one, the deceiver of the whole world. The one who argues against the power of God's promises. The one who smears blame all over us. Who twists truth until it sounds like lies and lies until they sound like truth. Because at first I was like, man, that's really helpful actually, because people have been deceived. You know, all those people who are just like wrong about stuff and they don't tip their delivery drivers and all the racists and the bullies and the tyrants and also people who are mean and just bad, they're clearly deceived. But then I went back and read it again and the thing that stood out to me was the, the whole world part of the deceiver of the whole world. And I kind of liked it a little less uh, because if it's the whole world, then I guess that would also mean me too. So reluctantly, I started to wonder what might I have been deceived about? Well, to start, I have been deceived into believing that I am superior by accident of birth. And as a 54-year-old woman, I've been deceived into believing that looking my age, or as I like to call it, looking as if I have lived each day consecutively since my birth, is actually some kind of failure. (laughs) I've been deceived into believing that my value is only in my productivity. I've been deceived into believing that since I currently have a life of health and comfort and safety, that I deserve it it's pretty likely that we've all been deceived. We've all been deceived into believing that deep fake videos are news and endless economic growth is the highest good no matter the cost and the ultra processed foods are indeed food. And friends, this week I started to think maybe we're also deceived in this society into thinking we are on the side of good while living in a wealthy empire that is continually feeding our first fruits to the beast of shareholder profits while huge swaths of our country are a single cancer diagnosis away from losing their homes. So thinking about how easy it is to be deceived. Uh, I had this disturbing question in my head about the battle between Michael and his good angels and Satan and his bad angels, and that question just would not go away. And here it is. Did the bad angels know they were bad? That's what tripped me up all week. Thomas Merton claims that the devil makes Most of his true disciples, not by preaching against sin, or preaching in favor of sin, but preaching against it, hoping they will then spend the rest of their lives meditating on the intense sinfulness of other men. So, hear me out. If Satan is the great deceiver, then I can imagine convincing a few angels that his cause was the righteous one couldn't have been too hard for the guy. Merton claims that the devil doesn't always turn people conspicuously sinister. Sometimes he just turns us blindingly righteous, which is more effective and frankly often more dangerous. It's a sneaky, twisted little business, this whole battle between good and evil thing. But the fact is, atrocities are more often perpetuated are perpetrated by those who are dazzlingly certain of their cause's righteousness than by like bond villains who just love evil and wanna see it spread. Maybe we're all at much higher risk of harming ourselves and other people when we are certain we're acting out of our virtues than we ever are when we are for sure acting out of our vices. I mean, the police station has a vice squad. I'm like, where's the virtue squad? But don't mistake me, I'm not not being an abject relativist. I do believe that pure good and pure evil exist. I just don't believe that humans are as good at knowing the difference as we think we are. What I'm trying to say is that if I wanna stand in any kind of battle on the side of righteousness, if I wanna stand against evil, maybe the best way to do it is to remain sufficiently suspicious of my virtues. Because, as I wrote in a recent essay about Christian stridency, the opposite of fundamentalism, whether it's religious fundamentalism or political fundamentalism, the opposite isn't atheism or apoliticism. The opposite of fundamentalism is humility. Humility is the only spiritually reliable place to land, and so rarely the first place I go. But on that ground, we do not stand alone because Jesus Christ stands there, too, because he is whatever the opposite of the deceiver of the world is. By the way, I asked ChatGPT, what's the opposite of a deceiver? And uh, it was like someone who's truthful, but um, the someone who is truthful of the whole world is kind of clunky, so I'm just gonna go with Savior. Well, the Savior of the whole world, the one who said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, he doesn't so much go in for lies never has. In fact, he exposed and defied the beast at every turn. To those who were deceived, he dared to say, snap out of it, repent, man. The things you think matter really don't. Your ranking systems are meaningless. Your petty concerns about the apparent sinfulness of others don't matter. And at some point soon, Rome itself isn't even going to matter. As a matter of fact, Pontius Pilate, who you think is so scary and powerful, guess what guys, 2,000 years from now, the only reason anyone will know that guy's name is as a footnote to a carpenter from Nazareth. And all of that, friends, all of that gospel truth that stands while every lie that comes from the mouth of Satan crumbles is exactly what the book of Revelation is saying in a coded way to those who were living under the thumb of the Roman Empire. The book of Revelation tells them and us that dominant powers are not ultimate powers, and that God's terrible mercy will triumph over all deception, and that if evil seems to rage on earth, it is only because it knows it has already lost. And it lost, by the way, To who? It lost to the man of sorrows, the friend of sinners, the one who wouldn't lift a finger to condemn those who hung him on the cross. I've been reminded all week about this old gospel hymn we used to sing. He could have called 10,000 angels. At Calvary, he could have called 10,000 angels to battle. But that would have perpetrated and perpetuated a system of domination, he was actually here to dismantle. By the way, Jesus left us with a way to glimpse the world where God's kingdom reigns, where domination is done and all lies have ceased. And he gave us this on the night he was betrayed when he gathered around a table with his faltering friends for a meal that tasted of freedom. And that table, friends, is long. It stretches through time to fit all who have ever gathered for his kingdom meal. The Lord's table has always extended to gather all who hunger ever since the night he instituted this meal of edible, drinkable Jesus forgiveness. This table has extended to include those I wish to accuse and those who wish to accuse me. This table crosses borders and razor wire and occupied land. It defies all protocols of empire. Here at this table, the deceivers' claims to a merit-based, race-based, gender-based, income-based seating chart are eternally invalidated. All the vain things that charm us most are deemed meaningless to the one who was, who is, and who is to come. So I hope that you bring all of who you are to it today. Because here is a foretaste of the kingdom where all dragons have been slain and all accusations have been silenced and all enemies have been loved. And thanks be to God, Happy feast of St. Michael and all angels. (laughs) Amen.